Our scripture lesson this morning, friends, comes again from the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. I invite you to hear these words from Acts. Then the angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So Philip got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join him. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. And he asked, do you understand what you are reading? He replied, how can I understand unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, like a lamb silent before its shearer, he does not open his mouth. And his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from earth. The eunuch asked Philip, about whom, may I ask you, does this prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with the scripture, proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water. 
And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down to the water. And Philip baptized him. When they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Aztus. As he was put through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns he came to, Caesarea. This, friends, is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. This week we're in Acts again, friends. I have to admit, I am somebody who has never really enjoyed the book of Acts. <laughs> it's never been my favorite book of the Bible. I don't necessarily dislike it, but it's a book that I have never felt a strong pull to. It's a book that I've never felt a really strong connection with. It's one that I've never been particularly moved by. But in this season, where it just keeps popping up in the lectionary and where I just keep feeling moved to preach out of Acts, I have really enjoyed sitting in it. I feel like I have a fresh understanding of the period of time after Christ's resurrection when the early church is forming, and I hope you all have found a renewed or maybe an interest in the book of Acts for the first time. I hope for you, it's also been fun to read through this scripture together, to read through Acts together, and to sit in this period after Christ's resurrection and before Christ's ascension. Personally, I'm really excited to read today's scripture lesson because while I'm not a big fan of the book of Acts, this scripture lesson is one of my favorite stories from the Bible, and that's because it's one of deep importance to LGBTQ Christians. The Ethiopian eunuch is a really important figure, and I want to touch on that today. Philip has just had a successful preaching stint in Samaria, as we hear in today's scripture, and he's traveling back from that when an angel of the Lord directs him to travel on a wilderness road instead of a main road. So Philip is on his way on this back road, and he overhears someone in a chariot reading scripture, and he approaches them wondering if they understand what they are reading. He's interested in engaging with them about the scripture they're reading, right? He's just come from a great preaching stint, and here's someone else he can minister to. Then enters the Ethiopian eunuch. The main character of this story, that is the Ethiopian eunuch, is never given a name. Instead, they're described by the things that make them an unlikely convert to Jesus. They're described by their physical body. That is, that they are Ethiopian and therefore darker in complexion and a foreigner to those around them in this land. And they are a eunuch. The scripture uses he, him pronouns as well as they, them pronouns to identify this character. And so I'm going to do the same for this sermon. In addition to being an Ethiopian, this person is in fact a eunuch. And I think in order to understand this story, we have to truly understand what it means to be a eunuch in biblical context. 
While we don't know exactly how this person came to his physical state of being, we don't know the history or the story of his body, right? We haven't been given those details in the scripture. We do know a lot about the role of eunuchs in biblical times. And what we know largely in part is that they were not socially accepted people in this time period. And more than likely, they gained the status of being eunuch by castration, more than likely involuntarily. The scripture tells us that the Ethiopian eunuch is a court official of the queen of Ethiopia. And while initially that perhaps seems really strange for someone who's not in a socially acceptable body to be in such an important position, it's actually really common for this age. In the biblical world, eunuchs were considered the perfect servant because they had no allegiance to a family. They could not jeopardize the royal lineage by being in close proximity. They could not jeopardize the royal lineage by being in close proximity to the queen because they could not reproduce. They often served royalty as the one who was praised because of their inability to perform impure acts. The Ethiopian eunuch is the perfect servant because of the way their body has been forcibly changed. Eunuchs were excluded from participation in the temple and rituals. While they were considered the perfect servant because they served absolutely no sexual threat, their bodies also made them ineligible to be fully admitted into the temple and places of worship. Eunuchs in biblical times were uniquely able to move across gender and social boundaries. They enter spaces understood to be for both men and women. They're considered a third gender in biblical times. They're generally made so by castration at a young age, and they're distinguished as set apart easily. You can tell by their pattern of dress, by their speech, by their physiological traits, that they are other. They're regarded as holy men because of their forced bodily purity. And while they may be holy men, they're not allowed to fully be in the temple. While this Ethiopian eunuch may be the perfect royal attendant, he's not at all welcome in religious communities. Eunuchs are a sexual minority in the context of the community and in the Jewish faith at the time. In fact, Deuteronomy 23.2, one of those Old Testament passages we literally never read and pretend isn't there, says that no one whose testicles are crushed or whose penis is cut off may enter the temple. Eunuchs aren't allowed to fully participate within, the Israel, within Israel's community because their physical bodies are considered impure. So why then does the scripture tell us that this Ethiopian eunuch is journeying back from worship? If he, if they aren't allowed full admittance into the temple, why have they traveled all the way to Jerusalem? When Philip approaches them in their chariot, 
He hear, overhears them reading Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8, a passage in which a servant is humiliated and denied justice. He approaches this person who clearly longs to be a part of community with God and others, but has themselves been denied justice and subject to humiliation. The Ethiopian eunuch carries with him the marks of being a social outcast. He's different, and he very clearly longs for community. He longs to be admitted into the temple. He travels who knows how far to worship at a place where he's not fully welcome. He longs to know more about the scriptures. While people keep him out, he longs for God and the Spirit. The Spirit hears his cries. The eunuch is reading scripture but struggles to understand it and perhaps struggles to understand this passage about a servant who has been denied justice, who's been humiliated because of the way he fits into it. After an explanation and a conversation with Pete Philip, the eunuch expresses that he longs to be baptized. And Philip does so without hesitation. He asks Philip as they're riding along in their chariot on this back road, and he sees a body of water. If there's water outside, if there's water right there, what's to prevent me from being baptized? And Philip responds, not by barring him from baptism, but by stepping out of the chariot and baptizing him right there. In the scriptures, the Ethiopian eunuch is the first Gentile person to convert to Christianity. That is a big deal, y'all. They're the first documented person we see become a Christian. They're the first documented Gentile we see baptized. And they are a very unlikely first. The first person God chooses to recruit into this whole new community, this new life with Christ, into spreading the good news is somebody who is very unlikely. It is a brown-skinned foreigner. It is someone who exists outside the binary of gender, someone who is barred from the temple God intentionally chooses as the first. Queer people, much like the Ethiopian eunuch, perhaps read scripture and struggle to make sense of it, struggle to see ourselves in it, or maybe we see ourselves in it and we don't understand why, if we can see ourselves in it, the good news isn't fully allowed for us in the temple. We don't understand why scripture is used against us if we can see ourselves within the scripture passages. Queer people often read this story and see themselves in it as the Ethiopian eunuch. The Ethiopian eunuch is an important saint for LGBTQ people. As LGBTQ people like them are often kept from being allowed to fully participate in the church because of what is perceived as impurity and outsider status. 
Queer people have long been denied access to baptism and communion and the pulpit and ordination and even just the ability to safely sit in one of these seats. At best, Christian people, queer people who are Christian have been invited into church, but they've been invited with a list of stipulations. So long as you leave your sexuality at the door and you live in a don't ask, don't tell reality or promise not to practice homosexuality, then you can come on in. What I love about this story is God chases this third gender, this person who's considered sexually impure by the world down right where they are and baptizes, baptizes them as they are and then sends them out into the world to spread the gospel in the exact same body that they have. Their identity is still what it was. They're still a eunuch. Nothing has changed except the fact that they have been welcomed into the body of Christ and they finally get to be a part of the community they have so longed for. God never does anything on accident, friends. What's important about this story is that the Holy Spirit is who prompts Philip into community with this man. It is God, God's self who decides this brown foreigner who the world deems impure and unclean and unworthy of entering any temple is in fact holy. God seeks them out. For God, they are not impure or unwelcome. For God, his status as a brown-bodied forther is not foreigner, is not a shortcoming. For God, his castration doesn't matter. God sees their heart. God made them as they are. God has seen what was perhaps forced mutilation of their body and invites them in. For God, this person's important. This person is called. According to Christian tradition, the Ethiopian eunuch becomes a minister in their own right. They take the good news of Christ back to their home, and tradition credits them solely with the introduction into their homeland. They don't just do bare minimum work. Y'all, they are the start of a revolution. The Ethiopian eunuch is an incredible, incredible figure, an incredible person who does their own ministry in amazing ways. They gain family where they had none. If this scripture tells us anything, y'all, it's the good news of Christ's death and life. It's for all. It tells us that baptism is indeed for all. That baptism, much like the communion table, is a place of openness. That baptism waters are open waters. That people should be baptized for who they are as they are. And then they should be allowed to exist in the world to minister to God's people in the same way. 
the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip remind us that LGBTQ people have long been a part of the Christian tradition. From the beginning, the very first Gentile was one. They remind us that people, especially those who are trans or intersex, folks who exist outside of the binary of male and female, folks who look at the Ethiopian eunuch and see themselves reflected, who see the same kind of divinity, are beloved by God. They are called and capable of doing holy work. Holy work as big as being the first ever convert and starting an entire religious revolution, y'all. Brown-bodied, trans, LGBTQ people have been changing the world since Jesus' time. And we've been ignoring it since Jesus' time. May we be like Philip, friends. May we be a people and a church who see people in bodies that the world or the other parts of the church deem is unholy and don't welcome into faith. May we welcome them in without hesitation. May we be willing to baptize them, to put them in our pulpits, to ordain them, to call them siblings in Christ. May we be people willing to do the work of empowering them to what God has called them to be. And friends, if you are somebody who sees yourself in this story, who sees yourself as the one who the church is not called holy, may you know that you are. May you know that this place is one where you are. This place is one where we're trying to be Philip. You are beloved. The baptism waters are not just ones where you are accepted, where you have to timidly tip in. This church, the church, is not one where you have to leave parts of yourself at the door. God's kingdom is open. It is for you. It is built for you. It was made not with the idea of welcoming you in with stipulations. It was made with you in mind as being a revolutionary and an important presence. Thanks be to God. Amen.
As you leave today, friends, I want to give you a couple of things to look forward to as we have talked about the Ethiopian eunuch. Um, the big one is that in June, on June 26th, 25th, one of those days, that Saturday, we as a church are going to be at Out Raleigh and we are so excited. We're in the process of creating some really cool swag and free things to give away at Out Raleigh. We're excited to be an affirming church presence at Out Raleigh. And we want you to mark your calendars for that event. We want you to be there with us, to hang out, to celebrate the LGBTQ Christians and the LGBTQ folks and saints who have existed today and throughout time. And then on that Sunday, I think that Sunday is the 26th, we are going to have here at Open Table at 10 a.m. a queerly beloved service. It's a liturgy that I have written, that I created to celebrate LGBTQ Christians and saints throughout history. We'll hear the narrative of LGBTQ folks throughout time who have been really important to the Christian tradition we hear psalms that express the many, many different feelings of LGBTQ Christians towards God and towards Christianity. And we'll celebrate that open table is a place of welcome and affirmation. We're sharing a communion liturgy that is special written for this, this celebration. And so, friends, I want to invite you to mark your calendars for Out Raleigh and for that queerly beloved service. Be here with us, celebrate with us, celebrate our community. Now I invite you to hear these words. Holy God, you created water. You placed the oceans where they are. You guide the rivers and the streams. You put water in each of our bodies. You baptize us and make us new and welcome us into your community. God, we ask we would be a people who realize that your waters are open. That they flood over all of us. And we are not to be gatekeepers of them but to welcome people into them, to rejoice in all those who look around and say, why not? And to say, you're right. Let's dive in together. Amen. Go in peace, friends. We'll see y'all soon.